the quickest way to fill any void that you feel is to give away that which you need the most. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full-time, because it's not just about business. It's about contribution. It's about meaning. That is what we seek that is what we truly want and you absolutely are here to serve the world and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you and every single week we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way to help you be more successful to help you be the truest expression of you my name is Kathy Heller I'm so glad that you're here let's dive in thanks to Indeed for supporting the podcast hiring is one of those things you don't want to mess up With the stakes this high, there's only one choice, Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash dreamjob. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Also, thanks to Acorn TV. Acorn TV is a streaming service that's rooted in British television that offers exclusive award-winning mysteries, dramas, comedies, and more. To try this service out and get your first 30 days free, go to acorn.tv and use promo code dreamjob. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So today on the podcast, Dr. Phil is here. Dr. Phil is here and I have to say that he was just so easy to talk to, so genuine, so smart, so sweet, so generous. And I was definitely a little bit nervous beforehand and he made me feel just totally at ease and he really blew me away. You know, sometimes when somebody is so well known, you're not sure like, are they going to be who you think they are? I think that he's actually way better than what anybody thinks. So today you're going to hear from him and I think you're going to love this conversation. He needs no introduction. I'm sure most of you know he's a TV host. He's the executive producer of The Dr. Phil Show, which is currently in its 19th season. They've had thousands of guests, over 25 Emmy nominations, and they're approaching 3,500 episodes. Dr. Phil is also the author of multiple number one New York Times bestselling books. He's the founder of Courtroom Sciences, Inc., which is how he met Oprah. And he also created Stage 29 Productions with his son, Jay McGraw, which led to the spinoff of the show, The Doctors. And if that wasn't enough, he's also a podcaster. One of his podcasts that I think you're going to find helpful is Fill in the Blanks, where he delves into the minds of the most interesting and accomplished people in the world today. It covers topics like mental health, building resilience, strategies for success, and just so much more. So definitely go check that out. Dr. Phil is truly one of the kindest souls I've met, and he's very, very humble. It was such a pleasure to spend time with him, and I'm honored that he shared his decades of wisdom with all of us. He's definitely one of a kind. So without further ado, please welcome the incredible Dr. Phil. How are you, sir? How are you today? Oh, Dr. Phil, you're. how do you have this much humility when you're who you are that you would ask me? I'm from Texas. Yeah. You understand that people don't just like you. They love you. Like it's you've crawled into everyone's souls and then you just stayed there. (laughs) I hope we're rolling on this. We're rolling on our end. (laughs) This is really, really fun. I can't believe this is my job. I get to hang out with you. It's pretty awesome. So it's been 19 years. You've had your own show. You were five years with Oprah. And this all started with a trial case where you met this amazing woman. Can you believe that this is your life? Really, no. And I I never had any intention of being on television. And, but I mean, who sits in the sandbox playing saying, I want to be, have a talk show or have have your own, you never think about that. Right. But in the career I had before, which was courtroom sciences, in all the years I was there, I never gave one word of interview. I did the highest profile cases in the country, but I never gave one word of interview. They, news, CNN, local news, anybody would ask me, 
who are you and why are you talking to the lawyers and all so much? <laughs> and my response was always, I'm not here. <laughs> I'm not here. You can't talk to me. I'm not here. So I never gave one word of, of interview. And then for somebody that never wanted to be on TV, I don't seem to be able to stay off of it. So it's hard to believe because you have such a genuineness about you. It's like one in a zillion people can sit with people and make them feel as safe as you do. Well, and thank so you. such a gift. So let me ask you this in all the years. I mean, I think you guys have done close to 3,500 episodes. That's yeah, coming up on 3,500, I think. So they tell me. I can't really fathom that at all. But what would you say is one of the biggest things that sabotages people that gets in our way? Because boy, have you met so many people. Oh, as cliche as it sounds, we clearly get in our own way. I, I really believe that. I think everybody has their own personal truth. I mean, what you believe about yourself when you don't have your social mask on, it's not you're all not all dressed up and putting your best foot forward. It's sure. what you really believe about yourself when nobody's looking, nobody's listening. And that's really important because I think we generate the results in life we think we deserve. So if we secretly think that, oh, I see those people and they're doing great and they're so successful, but that's for other people. That's not for me. You know, I'm not meant to have that level of success. I'm not meant to have a successful bicycle shop or a successful career in nursing or television or sports or whatever it is. Then we will limit ourselves in that way because we'll never reach for that thing that we think we want. We sabotage ourselves by not believing we can really do it. And I mentioned a second ago, I think before we were recording, that I play tennis every day. And I mean, probably play 300 days a year, 350 wow. days a year. And we play very competitive tennis. And it's so hard to win. I mean, like you can be playing along and doing okay, but with the guys I play with that, you know, played in college and on the tour and stuff, when it comes down to that last game you've got to get through to win – Everything gets tougher. The opposition gets tougher. They bear down. They focus. It's, sure. it's really hard to break through and win. And, and if you have doubts, that's when they come out. So if people have wow. doubts about themselves, that's when it comes out. They can't connect that last dot. That's so fascinating. God, you just said it so well, like a surgeon who finds like the exact spot where it's not about the face that you project. It's not about what's on your resume. It's what you believe you actually are deserving of is what you're going to get. That's yeah. and powerful. Here's the thing. We all compare our personal truth to other people's social mask. Yeah. And so, and you know, I had a damaged personal truth growing up because my dad was a really bad alcoholic. So I would go to school knowing that I came from a home where the utilities had been turned off. There was a huge fight last night. The windows got kicked out of the house. Oh my God. And the vent hood got torn off in the kitchen in a fight. And I go to school knowing that's my personal truth. And I compare that to the kid sitting next to me who's in a pressed shirt and jeans and t shirt and a clean, shiny face. And he may have had it worse than I did last night, but I compare my truth to his social mask and come out behind every time. Yeah. And so you, you have to repair that personal truth or you'll never get ahead. And I had to do that because I had a really damaged personal truth. It's really heartbreaking. I could picture you being the most adorable little seven-year-old. <laughs> so cute with like the biggest, most empathetic heart. And to think of you going through that and then to have become such a giant in the world with such a mission, how did you indeed do that? How did you step into a feeling of deserving and worthiness? Well, you know, I think that I can honestly say, and I don't think everybody can is fortunate enough and blessed enough to say this, but 
I think I can honestly say that everything I've ever done has prepared me for what I'm now doing. Um, I, I think when I have guests on that have been through the kind of things that I, I grew up with, a chaotic right. home, a alcoholic parent, being poor where you don't know if the utilities are going to be on or, or not, you, you just can't predict your world or whatever. Uh, I can relate to that. And I've been in sports and I can relate to that. And I've been in business and I can relate to that. So I think I have the ability to relate to a lot of things because I've walked a lot of different yeah. paths. And I, I think that's really helped. And, you know, everybody has a different currency. You know, we think about currency as money, right? Yeah. But I think there's emotional currency, spiritual currency, familial currency. There's all kinds of currencies. And when we were really poor, I was the only boy with three sisters, and that was kind of a currency. And then I was in athletics, and you get to go to, like, junior – they call it middle school now. You went to middle school. I went to junior high. <laughs> but you had a game every week. And people could attend for free. And so my family was really poor, but they would come to my games and it was free. So my role in the family was like, I was the entertainment. So I, I had a role, I was the entertainment. And so, and I didn't have the clothes and things that the other kids had at school, but when you step on the field, that doesn't matter. So my currency was if I could run fast and jump high, then that was an equalizer. So. I learned real early on that there are different kinds of currency and mine was either academics or athletics. And so I leaned into that because I didn't have the social trappings that the other kids have with a nice home or clothes or whatever. So I learned really early on, there are a lot of different ways to skin a cat. It's really like, I mean, it's obviously so remarkable what you've done, what you're doing, but one of the things that you mentioned earlier before we hit record is that you've also been married for 44 years. Yeah, we've been together and almost 50, but we've been married 44. I just don't think there's anything that says more about a person, especially when you are, let's face it, so famous, you know, so beloved. And there's a lot of tests that come with that. And to find a way to really love someone else and let yourself be loved is one of the hardest things. And you counsel so many people on this. So what do you think is the secret to having such a lasting life marriage partner? Well, and I'm not being coy when I say this, I'm married way over my head. <laughs> I'm not, I know that's a joke that people say, but you've seen Robin and heard her talk. She's a man. She is a, champ. Everybody thinks she's a trophy wife, but <laughs> we're just two and a half years different. It's just, I look like an old catcher's mitt and she, oh she, my God. Is, she stayed out of the sun. So she looks great. But you know, Robin's from Duncan, Oklahoma. I don't know if you know where that is, but you go to Texas, you cross the red river, you get to Duncan, Oklahoma, you go about four more miles and you fall off the end of the earth. It's like in the middle of nowhere. And she grew up picking up golf balls on her dad's driving range because they didn't have a tractor. So she was out there with a bucket picking up golf balls while they're still hitting. So she's tougher than a boot. But we grew up together and we went to college together. And, you know, you kind of bond. It's kind of foxhole bonding. If when we went to college, if it hadn't been for two for one burger bucks, one of us would have starved. <laughs> <laughs> you've been through it you know when you go to college you you watch for all of those two for one things and uh we just grew up together that way and we were just as happy then as we were now i mean we didn't mind as long as we had each other and you know i think the key to a good relationship is you got to be good friends first and what do good friends do good friends laugh and talk they share stories about their day they tell jokes they do fun stuff and then comes all the romantic stuff. But, yeah. but she's like a 
great friend. We laugh and tell jokes. And if she sees something funny, she can't wait to come run him off. So, oh my God, you got to look at this. And, you know, we've always done that. Always. So, because think about it, a lot of times you'll put more energy into a work relationship than you will a relationship at home. You'll pass your mate at home in the hall and go, uh, uh, and, but you go to work. So, Hey, how you doing? You know, we've never done that. We put the same energy into our relationship, even though it's 44 years, well, almost 50 together, but we still, we we still laugh and talk and have a good time. It's amazing. One of the things that my audience struggles with that you touched on before is there is just this rampant it's more contagious than COVID. It's uh, this imposter syndrome. It's I'm a fraud. I'd love to start my bike shop. Like you said, I'd love to be a nurse. I'd love to start a podcast, but nothing I do will be great. And I can't handle doing something that's not perfect. What do you say to people when they have that come up? Well, I think perfection is a good excuse to sit on the sidelines, right? I think it's something that people hide behind and it's a myth. I mean, there is no perfection. I I, I mean, around here, we've got like 300 people on the staff here at Dr. Phil. Oh my God. That's crazy. I've got the same executive producer I had since day one. I've got the same supervising producer since I've got the same seven cameramen since day one. We started and we just all stayed together. Right. I've had the same secretary for 45 years. She is so smart and so efficient, but you have to realize I've never met a single person that was a true champion that was a Lone Ranger. Right. And when you get scared about, oh, am I going to make it or not? Well, who do you have around you? You know, people say you got to be passionate about something to really succeed. I think that's true. It's necessary, but not sufficient. I think you got to be passionate to succeed, but everybody around you needs to be passionate in order for you to succeed. You know, people say that, you know, I'm really good at, at what I do. I have a really good team around me. Listen, one log won't burn. You put me out there on that stage and don't have an interesting guest for me to talk to, an interesting problem to solve. You don't book interesting stories. And I'm just a ball guy sitting out in the middle of the room. (laughs) I've got a really good team that's been with me from day one, and they know our audience, and they know me. And, like, you never hear me tell anybody what to do with their 401K. They know my lane. They know what I am good at and what I'm not good at. So it's about have you got a team built around you? Do you have a nucleus of people that want you to succeed? And feeling like you're an imposter, don't we all? You know, when I was in practice, my specialty – that I spent most of my time in was brain and central nervous system. That was what I focused on. And I can't tell you how many times I would be in a room and there would be somebody in there with closed head injury. And this was before we had all the sophisticated MRIs and CAT scans and all that sort of thing. Right. So we did functional tests and they would look at me and say, you know, do we operate? Do we do that? And sometimes I would think if these people knew how little I knew, they would throw me out the window. But the fact is, I knew more than anybody else. It's just I knew the limitations of the science at the time. And I felt like an imposter sometimes. It's like, I wish I had the ability to see this brain structure. I wish I had the ability to measure these neurotransmitters. And I don't, we all feel at times like, oh my God, I don't know what I need to know. I don't have the tools I need to have. We all feel that way. You know what you do? You do the best you have with what you've got. You know, Maya Angelou said it well. She said, I did what I knew how to do. And when I knew better, I did better. And that is really a good sentiment. You know, you do the best you can with what you have at the time. And when you know better, you do better. It's so beautiful. And 
it reminds me of like Moses who was like, I'm not the guy. I don't think I can speak, you know, pick someone else. And it was like, no, you're up, you know? And something that's so impressive about you is what an open heart. You have such an open heart. Like every time you tell a story, you mention this person's been with me for 45 years. Why am I this way? My team is so amazing. Like there's so much gratitude and love pouring out of you. Well, and you I, know, when you've been doing something this long, it beats um, reality <laughs> into you because yeah. it even, and I can tell you, when I first started out, I, I was a young lion and I was going to cure the world. And, you know, after working 20 hour days and, you know, making rounds at the hospital, going to the office, seeing those people being on call, getting up in the middle of the night, what, staying awake all night, worrying about your patients. After a while, you realize, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them float on their back. It's like, <laughs> they got to want it, man. They got to want it. And you can't want it for them. And I, I've told people a million times, look, I can explain this to you, but I can't understand it for you. You've got to lean into That's this to figure it out. So I realize I can just do so much and I got to have a good team around me. I'm curious about all of this because you've already done so much. And I wonder what keeps you driven to keep doing it. Like you've done so much, 3,000, 4,000 shows, the podcast, all the other things that you've done, the books, the speaking. What is it that wakes you up in the morning and says, I need to put this in the world? You want to feel vital. You want to feel relevant, right? And I haven't had it in a long time, but I used to have this recurring dream. I don't think I've ever told anybody this, so I'll tell you. <laughs> I the, love you. This will be the first time I've ever t- talked about this. Breaking news. Um, <laughs> but I used to have this recurrent dream. Like I'd have it like maybe twice a year or something, but I was in this big conference center and there were these double doors that were closed And you could kind of see through the crack in the door. And there was a big meeting going on inside. And you know how dreams are vague. Sure. I don't know what the meeting was about. I don't know what was going on. But there were important people in the meeting making important decisions. And I was on the outside looking in through the crack in the door. And that was my representation of anxiety. I've never wanted to be in the bleachers. I've never wanted to be on the outside looking in. And to me in that dream, I wanted to be in the room at the table contributing to the important decisions. And my nightmare was being outside looking through the crack in the door. I want to be involved. And that's what drives me in doing my platform. I want to talk about things that matter to people who care. And that's my formula. I want to talk about things that matter to people who care. And that's who watches. People who care about family, psychological functioning, mental illness, mental health, uh, all of those sort of things. I'm talking about things they care about. And I, I think we're the only show that delivers common sense, usable information to people's homes every day for free. Yeah. And I think that's the highest and best use of television. And so I'm proud of it. It's incredible. And it's so beautiful how much you just crave being in service and you words from the heart speak to the heart. And that's why it works with you. I love this conversation so much before we keep going, we're just going to thank our sponsors. I don't know about you, but since the whole pandemic started, I've been watching more TV than I have in probably the past decade combined. And if you're like me, sometimes you might feel like you're running out of stuff to watch, which is why I'm excited to tell you about Acorn TV. Acorn TV is a streaming service that's rooted in British television. Their catalog includes exclusive award-winning mysteries, dramas, comedies, and so much more really cleverly written, virtually striking, great TV. You might recognize some renowned actors like David Tennant and Thandie Newton. Plus, you can stream on your favorite devices. It's only $5.99 a month. So I'm not usually into murder mysteries, but the other 
other day I started watching Pie in the Sky, which is like this older murder mystery comedy series, and I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. It's been interesting to watch these international styles of comedy and drama and documentaries and get a little taste of that overseas culture, which I think we could all use right now since we're kind of stuck at home. So escape to Britain and beyond without leaving your seat. To try the service out and get your first 30 days free, go to acorn.tv and use promo code DREAMJOB. That's A-C-O-R-N.TV with promo code DREAMJOB to get your first 30 days for free. I know from personal experience that hiring the right people is so important to take your business to the next level. With the stakes as high, there's only one choice, Indeed. Indeed Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you get a great list of quality candidates right away with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. This way, you can focus on the important parts like meeting and hiring great people. With Indeed, you get full control and payment flexibility. You can pause your account at any time. You only pay for what you need with no long-term contracts. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Do you want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash DreamJob. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash DreamJob. Indeed.com slash DreamJob. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Well, I said at the beginning of the show when we started four years ago that I felt that the opposite of depression wasn't necessarily happiness, but a sense of purpose. And a lot of people listening don't even feel that they could possibly be needed. What do you think about being in service? Well, I think the best way for people to test this theory, particularly right now when we're in quarantine and depression is at its highest, loneliness is at its highest. Uh, Anxiety is at its highest. All of these things are peaked right now in children and adults. The quickest way to fill any void that you feel is to give away that which you need the most. You give it away. If you're sitting at home feeling like, oh my God, I feel so lonely. I feel so alone. You know what? Go somewhere in your apartment building where you know maybe an elderly person is living by themselves or down on the corner, there's somebody down there that's struggling, go knock on their door and say, hey, you don't know me, but I'm so-and-so, and I'm sure you don't want to give me your phone number, but here's mine. If you would like to talk, here's my phone number. I'm on the way to the store. Can I pick you something up? I'll leave it on your front porch for you. Uh, or if you're out mowing your yard, when you get to the driveway, just keep going and mow the neighbors. If you just give away that which you need the most, I promise you it will fill you up faster than any pill you can take, any therapy you can get, anything you can do. Give away what you need the most. It'll fill you up fast. It totally made me cry because it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. And as you said it, the tears came because my heart said, that's true. I know that that's true. And I have never heard that before. It's so beautiful. And I was going to ask you about COVID because we thought it was going to be what, two weeks, a month. Now it's been about a year. Do you think there's anything valuable, anything that actually is going to be significant that's good that came out of this time? Well, I think it's what we make it. If we create value and I, I say to guests a lot when they come on the show, I mean, one of the first things I often say is I really hope you create value here today. It it ain't up to me. I hope you create value here today. And I hope we do create value out of this. And I think it's caused us to re-engineer some parts of our lives. Think about it. People used to have the mindset that, you would fly from LA to New York for a three hour meeting because you had the belief that you just had to be in the room with that person to get it across. And I think with zoom, like we're talking about right now, you know, you have a very powerful presence. And so you kind of, you reach out through the screen and so you can have an impact without being in the room with somebody. Not everybody can do that, but some people can. You're one of those people that can. So Thank that, you. This, this will cause you to be able to leverage 
your podcast more. You can interview more people in less time than if you had to move your podcast sure. to rate for people to come to you. So I think that's an efficiency that we've picked up. I think people have learned that we can get through and overcome things that we probably didn't know we could get through. I don't think heroes are made in crisis. I think crisis reveals who people really are. And if you find a, a hero in the middle of a crisis, they were a hero before that crisis occurred. It just revealed who they were. And I think people have found that they've got a strength and an endurance and an ability here to endure that they didn't see before. And I hope people step back and say, hey, I did that. I got through that. We, yeah. And I also think that a lot of families that work so much and all and say, man, you know, you talk about kids growing up and old saying the, the hours are long and the years are short. Right. <laughs> You're standing on the side of that soccer field watching a game you don't understand saying, oh my God, is this ever going to be over? The hours are long, but boy, they grow up fast. And I know a lot of families that by working from home have really had some quality time with their kids that they yeah. didn't have before tutoring their kids, helping them with the remote learning and stuff that they've had some quality time with their children that they didn't have before. So I think some good things have come out of it. Yeah. You got to look for them, but uh, there's a few good things that have come out of it, but I sure think it's time to get children back in school and get this world turned back on. Yeah. I love what you said about how it, the crisis reveals the heroes that were already there. That's so powerful. And speaking of you, were, we talked about families a little bit just now, and you love, it's so obvious that you love being married to this woman, to Robin, and, and you love being a dad. You're so good at both of those things. I'm curious what you would say to women and to men, because roles have changed so much in the last few years. And I see so many women, you know, rising and becoming the breadwinner and not then knowing how to navigate being married anymore. And so I see a lot of women, they start to make money. They start to feel really empowered. And next thing they know, they're, they're getting divorced. And I'm not really sure myself what the answers here are, what the lessons here are, but you're married to a really strong person. And the two of you have navigated it, but I don't, I think that this generation needs some guidance about how to do this. I'm curious what your thoughts are. If you think back, even into the 50s and 60s, we were a single income society. Right. And then you get into the 70s, 80s, 90s, we became a double income society. And that's been mismanaged in a lot of ways, because when we were a single income society, we adjusted our lifestyle to one income. And then if something happened, the other partner could go to work temporarily or part-time. And if something happens, they don't have any fallback position because they're already both working. So there's no cushion there. But I I just think back to the fifties and sixties when women were not populating the workforce Think of the talent pool that was being wasted in the 50s and 60s. I mean, I've got friends at Cedars, brain surgeons, heart surgeons. Just think those people wouldn't were not there then that are women that are heading up these infectious disease. The head of the transplant team is a woman. Think of the talent pool that was being wasted at that time. So, you know, I think it's just a matter of managing priorities and expectations. You know, I'll tell you what causes people to get upset. It's not what happens in their marriage or their relationships. It's if you violate their expectation of what happens in their marriage or the relationship. So if you have a couple that expects every day 
we're going to meet at the back door naked with a martini and everything's <laughs> going to be great. And that's going to be our life. And then they get married and they find out that they have to have a division of labor, a division of space, a division of time, you know, all of these things that are the actual realities of marriage. Right. The couple that expected the martini at the back door are going to go, oh my God, this is horrible. And they wind up getting a divorce. The couple that expected to have these challenges, sharing space, time, money, responsibilities, they say, this is exactly what we expected. It's so we're good. We're rolling. This is, we knew this is what was coming. So we're good. Let's just be happy and go. So I think it's not what happens is violated. It's if you violate the expectancy set. So I think when people are getting married and she's going to have a career, they just need to talk about that up front. And if that's what he expects and knows her competencies, knows her achievements, knows her aspirations, and that's what he expects, then you don't have a problem with it, but you've got to negotiate that up front. So, so the guy doesn't start whining about bait and switch that's when guys get intimidated and like, I didn't expect this. Well, right. you should have. Right. You should have, dummy. Right. I have to say that you of all the people were the one that all my friends and my family were the most excited about. Oh my God, you're going to talk to Dr. Phil. And I think it's because they feel that you, they go to you, right? They go to you for these <clears throat> important moments in their life. And I remember one time my mom called me and I was like, 20 or so. And she said, I just watched Dr. Phil and I want to apologize to you. I said, why is that? And she said, because your dad and I got divorced, but it wasn't that it was, we fought in front of you before the divorce. And he just said how painful that is for kids to witness that. And I just thought maybe you could talk about that because that is, is something that I don't think that couples get. And then I think that there is something about we live in a society where it's now like, well, if it's not good, just break up and just get the next good thing. But you're somebody who walks the walk. You've been married for over four decades. So what do you think think, about all that? I think we get divorced in America way too soon. It's kind of like if you're not having fun anymore, get a divorce. And I don't think divorce is something that is just off the table, but I don't think you should get a divorce until you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I've turned over every stone. I've examined every avenue of rehabilitation that I can possibly do. And I don't think you should ever get a divorce until you can say, I have no more unfinished emotional business. And if you wow. if you get divorced and you're still pissed off, <laughs> if you get a divorce and you've got real big emotional energy, you're hurt, you're angry, you're bitter. You're not ready to get a divorce. Your divorce is not solving problems. You're just changing one set of problems for a new set of problems. So you should get a divorce when you have no emotional energy left. Apathy should be where you get a divorce, where you look at each other and say, you know what? we've done everything we can do and we just simply can't solve this problem. So we need to wish each other the best and, and move on. And I think people don't do that. And this fighting in front of the kids, it it happens so much. We've got a shorthand when we write it down here in our books and stuff that they prepare for me, it's just IFO, you know, just parents IFO this in front of kids, here's what they do. And when you fight in front of the children, it changes who they are. There are some things that will upset a child for a while. Like, you know, a pet can die. Their goldfish can be belly up when they come home. It's going to upset them. Okay. But it doesn't change who they are. But when the two people that they love, the two people that, they rely on for strength and security are now turning on each other, battling each other, calling each other names, God forbid, hitting each other. That changes who the child is because 
their base of operations is falling apart. You know, think about it this way. Think about being out in the ocean and there's just a little island out there. That's the kid's base of operations. And, you know, as they gain a little independence, they'll swim out from the island, but they look back and it's still there, so they can go back. But if they turn around on a, at a given time and it's not there, then all of a sudden they panic and it changes their independence. And those parents are that island. And when they see that fragmenting and falling apart and actually in a war zone, it changes them and they don't need to see that. And then when they get a divorce and they go to a birthday party and if they talk to mom, they feel like they're betraying dad. And if they talk to dad, they feel like they're betraying mom. It's the worst thing you can do to a child. And I hate that. And I really try to get parents to not do that. The biggest gift you can give a child is they can go to their birthday party after a divorce and jump up in mom's lap and wave at dad and dad waves at them. And they're not a rope in a tug of war. If you can give that to your child, you're giving them the biggest gift they'll ever have. Oh my gosh. This is just so beautiful. You've been so generous and so kind. I'm really blown away. And, uh, I'm just trying not to cry because it's, I'm, I'm, you're such a decent, generous, humble human being. And this is why you've been so successful. And I was going to ask you that question is, what do you think makes people successful? Because you are one and you know so many of them. You know, I really think that the key to success is finding that thing that you really love and also something that you're good at. You know, one of my best friends is Steve Harvey and you should interview Steve sometime and I'd be happy to set that oh up. Oh my for God. You. That's so sweet. And I could so to see you guys having the best time together. Oh my God. We get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so we get in a lot of trouble. Um, but you know, he had um, what he calls a turnback moment where he was trying to be a comedian and yep. he was just really, really struggling. And he got to the point within two hours of going home and becoming a appliance salesman. And oh I mean, just so close, so close. And he just was hanging on so hard because there's something in him that just said, this is just what you're meant to do. It's just, it's what you're meant to do. And all of the math, all of the signs, it told him a hundred times before, turn back, turn back. And uh, he was staying in somebody's attic and he was going home the next day and he got a call said, we want you to perform at the Apollo, but you got to get here. And he needed $200 to get from Texas to the Apollo. And within 30 minutes, uh, he got two gigs in Texas that night and the next night that gave him enough money, just enough money, not to get home, but to get to the Apollo. And he stuck it out till he got there. And uh, he got there and said, the guy gave him, uh, said, don't leave this room. And he got there 10 hours early and he said, oh my God, they finally gave him one piece of chicken. He could eat (laughs) in the room and he killed it at the Apollo and the rest is history. But, you know, you got to have that, that passion that defies logic sometime and, and lean into it and, and if you don't have the passion, then it's work. And you'll find reasons to quit if it's not something you love. Well, the last thing I'm going to say and let you go is one thing you just shared in that story is the fortitude to keep going, this resilience. And I think that people are almost allergic to hope because we don't want to be disappointed. So we almost will give up way too soon because we're um, trying to protect ourselves. You know, it's worse than that. It's even worse than that. You talk to people and you say, tell me success. What's success for you? And they'll say, oh, I don't want to talk about it. I'll jinx myself. I right. don't want to talk about it. Right. But when you talk to a winner, you talk to a champion and ask them success, what's their definition of success? 
They'll tell you what it looks like, feels like, smells like, who's there, what they're wearing. They will tell you everything about that moment. They feel it. They've played it over in their mind. They've role-played it. They've walked it, lived it, breathed it, felt it. They don't say, oh, I don't want to think about it. Those are the people that say someday I'll get someday in a day of the week. I've looked on my calendar. There's mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Someday ain't on my calendar. You got to say, I'm going to get there at this point, this time. I'm going to work till I do. And they'll tell you what it looks like and feels like. Real champions, they'll name it to claim it. They put it out there and say, This is it for me. And I know it when I see it. Oh my God. I love that. And that's such a powerful way to end this. Tell us when we can listen to your podcast, how we can follow you, your show and all the things. Oh, I don't know. I pop up everywhere. <laughs> it's around, you know, I'm, uh, I'm on in the afternoons. I think I'm going to start the podcast back up in May okay. sometime and uh, it'll be out there. You can't escape me. I'm everywhere. No, we can't <laughs> escape you. Thank God. Thank God. You are just such a lighthouse for people. Well, Kathy, this has been great. I can't even begin to tell you how much fun I've had. You don't know what it means to me. There's like one person in a century that has the ability to love people like you do. And it's really love. You give people unconditional love. And what happens is they then feel safe to show up and then they hear you. And that is, it's, it's extraordinary. It really is extraordinary. Well, you know, some of the things that they wind up using as promos for the show and stuff are things that I just say in conversation. And then I look and it's in a promo all year long. And <laughs> one of the things I said is that the, this is a safe place to talk about hard things. And uh, that's a line in the opening of the show. And I, I just said it one day and because I meant to provide a safe place for people to talk about hard things. And, They've been judged enough. I just try to give them a place to to do it. So I appreciate you taking time to talk to me. This is the best. Thank you for everything. Oh my gosh. I just can't believe how much fun it was to talk to him. And what you guys don't know is that my internet actually went down and that has never happened. Like in almost 400 episodes, my internet dropped and I could not get back on the broadband or the Wi-Fi or whatever you call it for like seven minutes. And I felt so anxious. He could not have been nicer. And I just will never forget him for that. Now, here are the takeaways. Number one, we generate the results in life that we think we deserve. Number two, everything you've been through is preparing you for what you're meant to be doing. Number three, lean into your currencies. Number four, do the best you can with what you've got. Number five, the quickest way to fill any void is to give away that which you need the most. Number six, heroes are not made in crises. Crises reveal who the heroes really are. Number seven, recognize the strength and endurance you didn't think you had before. And number eight, a champion knows what success looks like, smells like, feels like. They've played it in their mind. They've lived it. Real champions, name it to claim it. Okay, so now we're going to announce today's giveaway winner. I'm continuing to give away some awesome swag, t-shirts, adorable hoodies, and mugs, and all this fun stuff. We'll be doing a giveaway on Monday and Thursday's episodes. All you have to do to be eligible is leave a review for the podcast. So go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, or you could just go to your Instagram and talk about the podcast in your Insta stories and tag me at kathy.heller so we can make sure that you're entered. Today's winner is Laura Lynn T. And she wrote, I can't stop listening. My best friend told me about the podcast when I was on medical leave from work due to stress, burnout, leading to a flare-up of my chronic illness. I started listening every day. The more I listened, the more I craved. I have pages of notes from every episode and just love Kathy's authenticity. Many of the people she interviews comment on how amazing of an interviewer she is, and she brings many of them to tears. I just went back to the very beginning to go through all the episodes I missed before discovering the podcast this year, and I was struck by how she's the same now as she was when she just started. Do yourself a favor and listen. I promise you're going to be inspired." Laura, that's so nice. It's so sweet. You guys, gosh, I don't know if you can imagine how I feel reading these reviews. It might be the kind of thing where you think, oh, Kathy doesn't really care at this point, or she hears this all the time. 
But every time I read a review like that, my whole heart just fills up with a feeling of love. And I just feel so grateful that you took the time out of your very busy life to leave that review. And the details of what you said mean so much to me. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you. I do not take it for granted. And I don't take your time for granted, all of you. Like I know that you have so many things that you could be doing and it's no small thing that you put your attention here and you listen to this show. So you guys are amazing and I will always show up and give you every single thing that I can to encourage you, to inspire you, to make you feel loved and to remind you that you're needed because it matters so much to me that you know that and because I don't take your time for granted for one second. We have amazing guests coming up. I always say that, but it's really, really true. So please subscribe. It's free to subscribe. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify, wherever you listen. And I just want to ask you about today's show. Was it inspiring? Can you think of somebody who would love this? Do you know any of your friends who need to hear what he said? Or do you know anybody who's a Dr. Phil fan who would love this interview? If the answer is yes, send an email, text the link, post about it on Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller. Let's share the podcast. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song of mine. And because we've been doing now daily episodes, I'll talk to you tomorrow. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. 